This is the Marketing for Learning podcast, the only podcast in the world committed to enabling and empowering the capabilities of L&D through marketing. It's quite possibly the best podcast you'll ever listen to today. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Marketing for Learning podcast. We have a special treat for you today. You have both myself and Hannah Wadhams here today. Uh, what say a treat. Right? Yes, you did say my last name right. Well done. It's only taken you nearly uh, three years. <laughs> I, I know. It's my accent. It's my accent. Yeah, I blame it. Yeah, so we're getting together. I mean, it's a kind of an exciting time for us. We've just announced our partnership with the LPI, which is super exciting. So um, those of you, I know, those of us, those of you that have been listening, we obviously deliver a six-week uh, instructor-led virtual training course called the Marketing Masterclass. And now that is certified by the LPI and we're delivering it in tandem with them. Um, so we're super excited to bring, well, I guess, increase the reach of the Masterclass and bring more yeah. marketing for learning, learning to the world. It really is insane. It's feels like until now or until the last few months when we've been having these conversations this is just a little thing that you and I are just doing and yes we really believe in it but it's that external validation now isn't it and um, from a body mm. as significant as the LPI it's super exciting like I've been grinning I like a cat for the last few days <laughs> <laughs> I know it's cool and I think that's that's exactly what I feel like it's just some external validation that you know marketing for learning is like legitimately a thing you know this is something I just kind of cooked up at home in my sweatpants so it's amazing that you know it is genuinely so transformative for so many people so that's obviously why you lovely listeners listening to this podcast and so apologies for going into kind of slight maths spiel oh my god say that <laughs> 10 times fast um but we're actually not here to talk about the LPI we're no. not here to talk about no, us no 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 um no, but no, what no. we did want to talk about is Obviously, you know, Hannah and I are marketers and we keep an eye on what's going on out in the world from a campaign and branding and marketing perspective, you know, kind of give our hot take on it, see what's going on. And we thought it might be quite interesting to just talk talk about some campaigns uh, that you, hopefully you guys will all know. We tried to pick ones that are quite universal, hopefully, um, and kind of discuss precisely what it is that makes them so memorable, engaging, whatever it might be. Um, so we've each brought a couple of campaigns to the table and we're going to chat a little bit more about some of our favorite marketing campaigns and why. And the first one that I wanted to talk about is probably the most recent. Um, and I wouldn't say it's actually like a favorite campaign of mine, but it's it certainly got my attention and not a lot of advertising does do that these days. The joys of being a marketer. <laughs> I know, you get a bit blind to it really, don't you? Um, or very discerning mm. <laughs> is perhaps a more accurate. Yeah, yes, that's um, we're getting a bit negative now, but yeah, we, you do a bit, <laughs> don't you? A bit, a bit cynical. Okay. Like, oh, bloody hell, they shouldn't have done that. But one that I thought was quite interesting was the Pringles multi-grain, multi-gram, multi-gram. typo <laughs> saga. So mm. for those of you that haven't seen this, basically a few, well, maybe like a month ago now, Pringles was launching their new product line, which is all around Pringles, but multi-grain, you know, more healthy, or I don't even know if that was really the message, because I don't know what the original advert said, because all everybody focused on was the fact that they spelt multi-grain without the I, and therefore it said multi-gran. This has now snowballed around, and they've um, 
According to Pringles, it was a genuine error, and they have since kind of owned the campaign and like, spun it on its head and started to do loads of advertising around, you know, grandmas and the such like, like multigrain, not multigran. Yeah, it's really clever. I mean, I'm, I don't know about you, Han, I'm not convinced that the typo wasn't an intentional no. uh, typo, I guess, from the be- beginning. What do you think? Not at all. Like, we've both worked in really big marketing teams. You can't get a typo through on a print ad like that. Like, if it was an email that maybe, like, two people had seen, I might believe it. But a billboard, like, and I'm sure it wasn't one billboard. I'm sure it was numerous billboards. That's not an accident. Not in a huge company like Pringles. Like, it's it, there's too many eyes on it. I don't believe for mm. one second. But, that being said, we're all talking about it. So, even if it was deliberate... It was a successful campaign. I mean, I think, I think, I also think it was intentional. I don't necessarily agree, agree that if it was a typo, it wouldn't have squeaked through. I mean, you can actually see this type of thing that happens all the time. One that strikes my mind straight away is a waitress, like, blurb about food. So, like, they have, like, little, like, summaries of what it is that you're buying, where the, the price is, you know, to make it justify the double price that you're paying. Yeah. And, but, like, so there was some copy about, like, I don't know, some succulent chicken breast, like, rotisserie, whatever. And then at the end, it just said, um, please tell me if this is still too long, Dave, or whatever. And that went to print, and that (laughs) was out in store. That's, uh, again, that's, it's a description on a product. It's Mm, a smaller thing. I know I've done, yeah, I've done like tube adverts and that before, and there was quick maths, I'd say probably four or five levels of hierarchy that was signing off this advert because it was such a big thing that it was going to be on X amount of tubes, it was going to be running for, I think it was two months we run it for. So many different people had eyes on it. The media agency had eyes on it. Uh. Somebody somewhere would have said, guys, that says multi-gram, not multi-grain. Yeah, I, 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 I do Genuinely, agree. I'm not... It's too much sound. of a faux pas to be legit, I think. But, you know, I, the the crux of it is, so like, let's let's go on the proviso that it was intentional, because I believe that it was. Why have they done that? Like, to me, it's like, okay, they understand the power of, like, the Twitter troll, right? Mm-hmm. That, like, our, our society of endlessly correcting people that are wrong. How many people revel in the idea of correcting a major brand? You've spelt this wrong, man. You know, <laughs> they knew it would blow up on social media. And it got picked up by, like, news like bbc like i like i don't i don't know how that's newsworthy in the current climate of our world but nevertheless it did something and so (laughs) indeed i mean but you know amazing pr incredible reach like Mm -hmm. if we talk about you know when you're launching a new product to your market at that stage you know if we're talking about the ada model or awareness we're trying to just get as many eyes as possible on us at that stage you know we're not trying to convince them to buy the product yet we're not even talking about the qualities of the product that make it delicious and what healthy or whatever they just want people to know that it exists and yeah. i think that 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 in and We've of itself like leveraging that. the yeah leveraging the reach and amplification that comes with a culture of correction is highly intentional and you know, I just, there's no way you can turn around tube ads in three or four days and get them no. reprinted. And like, it's just not going to happen. So I think it was really, really clever on their part to kind of make it seem like a bit of a mistake. Because I think it then also adds a bit of human aspects mm. to the brand too. But also it's quite, like, let's be honest, 
multi-grain Pringles. I don't go to Pringles because I think they're healthy. Um, I kind of know what I'm doing they're when I'm eating crisp. crisps. Um, so I don't care if you've released multi-grain. I, literally, I honestly can't put into words how little attention I would have paid to any kind of advert they put out about multi-grain Pringles. But now I know they exist. And when I do my Christmas shop, I might be more inclined to pick them up. I probably won't. I'll probably stick with the normal ones. But you know what I mean? It's now on my radar. Well, well you'll see you'll see them in the supermarket. There's going to be recognition on the shelves, yeah, isn't there? Like absolutely. That, that's, that's, all, that's all they're trying to do. Is that, And then, you know, the psychology side of it comes into play. Like, oh, well, I wonder what they're like. I'm going to try it. You know, yeah. I'm going to try them. It's only two quid. I'll buy a tube. And there you go. You know, magic. So the first one I wanted to bring along is Spotify Wrapped. I know we both got our Spotify Wrapped yesterday, didn't we? Um, and mm-hmm. I'm a bit disappointed in mine this year, just as a side note. Uh, Atomic Kitten have been in my top five for at least three or four years now, and they're, they're not there this year. They've been completely replaced by Ed Sheeran. <laughs> but Spotify Wrapped is such an interesting marketing campaign because I can't articulate how many conversations I've had with people being like this is a marketing campaign and they're like huh because it's so user generated it's so natural that people don't realize it's it is it's marketing but they Mm -hmm. might not be telling you to go and download Spotify but it's marketing and essentially what they're doing with Spotify wraps and I've done it um I think I saw you share yours Ash I know pretty much at least 50% of my Instagram and the people I follow on Instagram have done it, is they've given us a toolkit to market their product. We have all gone on shared adverts in the last 24 hours for Spotify. Yep. It's no mistake that there's a Spotify logo on every single one that you do. Like if there's anything you share, screenshot, like they're not they're not dumb and they actually incorporate that kind of wavy three line watermark on a lot of their stuff as well i don't know if you've noticed yeah. that they've got a lot of like brand motifs haven't they like with like some mm. of the funky shapes and that they use as well but it's just so impactful because as i said people don't realize it's marketing but then when you think about it i there's some people that i follow on instagram that i, t- I hardly know them i know them maybe like their ex-colleagues or something and i've sat and i've gone and like looked at what they've listened to most over the last year and i'm nosy and the fact of the matter is we're all nosy intrinsically as humans we're curious we want to know what other people are up to and it absolutely taps into that as well as the kind of egotistical side about it like I want everyone to know what I've listened to or I think people are going to be interested in this and then we share it anyway I think it just taps into so many really human emotions Hmm. people what people have this like almost grotesque desire to learn stuff about themselves that isn't so kind of obvious so like Mm -hmm. oh well you know what have I listened to like you know some of stuff in my sub songs I was like no way did I listen to that like the most like give over I was like you know Surely, I mean, for all that I've listened to uh, lots of Taylor Swift, there's not tons of her songs in my top 100. So I just listen to a breadth of her music rather than a couple of songs. Yeah. So, you know, but I think that's, it, it is exactly that. Like we, there's a kind of this like grotesque fascination with understanding more about ourselves and Spotify are very clever with their marketing around that. Yeah, and this year they tried to do that, um, like, their kind of own version of the Myers-Briggs The ENFJ. Yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, I can't remember what I apparently was. But you can tell what they're trying to do here. 
you're, you can you can see what they're trying to do with Spotify Wrapped, and I think if you really dissect it as marketing campaign, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that you know, I mean, the two campaigns we just talked about is all about intentional use of your audience to amplify your voice. And, you know, I mean, that's why influencer campaigns work. That's why, you know, a lot of our clients like uh, Caroline Fitzpatrick at L'Oreal, she found a lot of success by using mm-hmm. influencers or using people in the business who have a big network or a strong touch point or reach across the organization can be incredibly effective at amplifying your message. So whilst you may never get a group of learners who are as excited about your learning experiences as Hannah is about Spotify Wrapped, <laughs> There still is there is still logical reasoning mm-hmm. behind using other people to amplify your voice. I mean, there's absolutely tons of research around to support the fact that people believe information from their peers more than a brand. So you might even discover some new artists because some of your friends that, mm-hmm. oh, they're listening to that. What's that? I'll go check them out. You know, uh, you do that. Everybody does it. Like, who, yeah. who are these people if they're listening to it so much? So, you know, I think like, that kind of social influence and like almost it's not really peer pressure but you know seeing what other people are doing and having positive experiences imagine the poor people who don't use spotify how do they feel mm. do they have fomo yeah. do, you know you sent me apple's kind of poor man's version of wrapped today yeah it's pants and it is a genuine just retort to what they're trying yeah. to do which i mean to me says that spotify continues to have market share mm-hmm. clever Absolutely. very very clever and- Again, think about it in an L&D context. I think all my, there's almost an element of Spotify rap gives people permission to not just listen to mainstream music. Mm. It's not Radio 1. It's not the pop charts. Like, it's whatever you're interested in. And that element of influencers giving permission really resonates in L&D. So look, I've done this. So there's one client I'm working with, their CEO has worked all the way up from being a grad to now be the CEO of the company. It's kind of insane. Wow. But they've got quite a few people in their organisation that have done that. And they've done that through embracing learning and such like and getting involved. So now the influencers that are amplifying that message are much more convincing to their other colleagues that are maybe more sceptical about learning. So we kind of just give that permission without it being like HR being like, you must go and do learning now, please. Thank you. It, it's yeah. much more authentic. So yeah, I think I think RAP's an amazing campaign. And I think, you know, no surprise that they do it year on year because the anticipation mm. now build. Um, but they, they're clever. They have so much data that actually, why wouldn't you use that? They do that in a lot of their marketing campaigns, don't they? And uh, interestingly enough, when I was doing the masterclass yesterday, I was chatting through some email examples of bad copywriting really and someone said well what, what would you have done and it was an email promoting some research that had been done and I said well I would have used the data like if you've got the data yeah. why wouldn't you pull that data out it's way more interesting and again it's much more substantial than just kind of saying oh this thing is really cool like, great cool good, you think good, how easy good. it would have been for Spotify to do like a buy your loved one a Spotify subscription for Christmas like that would have been an easy cop out advertising Spotify but they've gone. They've done something so much more creative that gets everybody talking. So this this will be way great. more effective. Yeah, it's a great because I think you know those two campaigns we just talked about. Neither of them are selling their product, and those are the those are the best campaigns because mm-hmm. they don't ever sell the product. They just they sell the values or the ethos or the idea of something rather than 
the product itself. It's very, very uh-huh. clever stuff. Let's let's move on to something that is a bit more of a product. Um, and it's a campaign that's a bit old now, but it's one that sticks with me. It will not leave, you know, some adverts and things like, you know, never go like the what's up uh, one from the Super Bowl. But why? You know, like there's yep. certain ads that stick in our brains for years and years and years. This one does. Um, I'm going to play the advert now so you guys can have a listen. See if it rings any bells. Hello, ladies. Look at your man. Now back to me. Now back at your man. Now back to me. Sadly, he isn't me. But if he stopped using ladies' scented body wash and switched to Old Spice, he could smell like he's me. Look down. Back up. Where are you? You're on a boat with the man your man could smell like. What's in your hand? Back at me. I have it. It's an oyster with two tickets to that thing you love. So, did anybody recognize what it was? Han, you've seen the Old Spice advert, right? Of course I have. Of course, the man hasn't. your man could smell like. Well, uh-huh. indeed, this is an, this is the question. One of my favorite marketing campaigns ever because of a repositioning, and this is something that L and D is going to have to do a lot, right? Like overcome an established mindset or attitude towards what your product currently is and does. That's what Old Spice does. Mm-hmm. Before they did this, this was like a really big, like different shift in their uh, campaign approach because up 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 to then. I think the advert was in the maybe 2010, 2011, something like that. Before that, it was always perceived as a kind of like old man smell, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was like an old man cologne, <laughs> old man so I mean, I can still remember like the old little like shaped bottles and yeah. Did I, did I have something? Was it quite nautical? As I recall, there's like a boat or something on the bowl. Yeah. I don't know if I've just there, made there, that up. There's, there's stripes. There's definitely stripes involved. Which has quite a nautical thing to it. I don't know if I've ever We'll say it's got nautical vibes. I don't know. I'm going to go look <laughs> that up later. I might have just made it up. But what was really significant about this um, this campaign that they did, so Old Spice went to a marketing agency, and that marketing agency did a lot of market research on Old Spice, who buys it, what's going on here, who is our target audience, and, and what do we really need to talk to them about in order to even convince them that this product's different now, it's interesting, it's exciting. Do you know what that agency found? What? They found that most male hygiene products are actually purchased by women, by mums buying for their sons and husbands, you know, whatever it might be. Mostly bought by women. So, you will have heard in that advert, this is a product used by men targeting women. I'm the man your man could smell like. Absolutely clever, clever, clever stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was quite it was quite a unique style, the advert, like all the set moved around him whilst he you know it was quite uh yeah it was very visually unique at the time I think but mostly it was just so smart you know the reason I wanted to talk about this is because they took the time to understand their target audience and Mm. the results were absolutely significant I think that video on YouTube the day they uploaded it got more views than Obama's acceptance speech when he became president that's insane yeah, it was mad. And then they responded really quickly. So like it just got so much traction. And so then the guy who was in the advert did like live YouTube for like a day and did loads of Q&A and things like that with obviously his like very like distinctive voice. And yeah, I mean, they, they it caused a massive uplift in product sales and kind of brand reach and visibility and, and a significant shift in the sentiment towards the brand. I certainly don't associate it as an old man brand anymore. I don't know about you. No, no, I completely agree. And I think it's important here to note as well, so this is the third campaign we've spoken about, and they've all used data. 
of some sort. Ugh. Market understanding, information about their audience to really make their campaign really effective. Yeah. What all these campaigns have in common is they understand their audience and they understand the market that they exist in as well. So I think, you know, that understanding of audiences is, is well, something that we certainly hammer home time and time again, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think also understanding your brand. Like thinking of some organisations I've worked for previously, some of the marketing campaigns we ran even 10 years ago wouldn't work today because your company has changed and your company has evolved and you Good. can't just think oh I've worked here for so long so thinking from an L&D perspective oh we ran an event in I don't know let's say 2017 and it worked really really well so what we're going to do is we're going to run the exact same event again no stop think about who you are today think about who your employees and your target audience is today we've had a huge pandemic in the middle of that most companies now aren't fully office-based. Like, so much has changed. You can't just look at something that may have worked in the past and go, yep, I'm going to rerun that and do that again, and I'm going to get the same impact. You need We need to keep a fresh mindset, and I think that's part of having a marketing mindset, is having mm-hmm. those fresh ideas, challenging what used to work, challenge what you think might work now and why you think it might work. Just don't just take something verbatim because you think, yep, yeah, this seems easy. So my last campaign, again, goes back to an awareness stage campaign, and it was Dove's Real Beauty campaign. So again, mm-hmm. it's a campaign that doesn't necessarily promote Dove's products. Um, so I think Dove is a universal brand. If it's not, it's a soap brand um, owned by Unilever. They do shower gels, like bath stuff, very generic soap brand. But they run a campaign called Real Beauty, and this has been going for years, like, and I mean well over a decade. And they've done so many different spin-offs of Real Beauty, and all it taps into is how women, predominantly, but I think in recent years they've changed that as well, so it's now everybody, should just feel comfortable, confident, and happy within their own skin. And... It's worked wonders for them. And there's so many positive connotations with the Real Beauty campaign that it does then position Dove in a different mind. So I look at Dove and I think, oh, they're a really lovely brand. And I I almost assume that Dove's like a really like nice and nice smelling soap. And I get all of these other like assumptions that I'm essentially making because of their awareness stage campaign from that Real Beauty. And I think it's just a very clever one that they've stuck with for a very long time that's really made an impact yeah and i think again it's more of a more of a brand campaign i mean that's Mm. been running also for a really long time i don't know if they're still doing it but it 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 went for a long time if it has stopped now and you know i think nike does this really well as well where it's more about conveying the value pillars of the brand Mm -hmm. and so it's almost like if you buy dove or you buy nike you're buying into the ethos of the business rather than buying the products and of course the products have to stand up in their own right too right i mean this is what we say Mm -hmm. to our clients all the time we can do the best and most cleverest marketing in the world but ultimately if your learning proposition is i was gonna swear shit (laughs) then at the end of the day you know it, it it's 
always going to be a disaster because they might transact with you once, i.e. convince them to go and do that thing, but they won't go back. You know, if no. Dove products are rubbish, no one's going to rebuy them. They'll buy them yeah. once. You know, same with Nike, you know, but the quality of those products is upheld by the by by the brand as well. So the two yeah. things are aligned and it makes sense. But I think that, you know, that, that branding exercise, because I was thinking when you were talking and I was thinking, you know, a company that I don't, I see doing really clever marketing, but I don't see them doing a lot of like uh, brand affinity and brand affiliation campaigns is Coca-Cola. So I, I yeah. when I think about Coke, barring the like, the Santa stuff, which has nothing to do with Coca-Cola, but I think it's like, it's just expected of them now. Yeah. Other than that, if I think a lot of their advertising is always kind of focused on the product, it's always, yeah. uh, you know, maybe like you're the type of person who drinks Coke and stuff like that, but it's a very much, much more like product oriented marketing strategy over the likes of Nike who, you know, get, you know, um, athletes who represent their values. Like, I can't remember the American footballer guy who, who, was doing all the Black Lives Matter protests yeah. and got him as like a an, an advocate for their product for a while. You know, that, that that's like really like I'm drawing a line in the sand and this is, you know, not for everybody, but those who have those beliefs and share those values, like you come and stand behind us because we've got you. Whereas yeah. Coke's just kind of like, everybody buy us, we're delicious. You know, it's it's, it's a different tactic, It's interesting it? though because they, they're not re- they're, they don't say that though, do they? Of course not. No, but 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 the advertising is much more product focused. Yeah, they do a lot. Um, I'm an exceptionally big Coke drinker. I even have a glass uh, can here. Um, so wrecking my brain about their adverts. They do a lot about that the sis sound when you open a can. You mm-hmm. know, it's, mm-hmm. They do a lot about that and that and the bottle shape. But that makes you like think that. about opening the, the product, product and drinking yeah. the product. Yeah, I can't actually think of a brand campaign. That they've done no because even the share of coke was all about consumption it was all about yeah. consumption i think i think it's quite yeah i mean i've literally just thought of that as you were talking but it is an interesting dynamic you know and again maybe that the coke pepsi war is so ferocious that if they just went on a brand maybe if their belief is that they went on a, a brand exercise that it might do them like their consumption might go down but it goes really into that long and short of it, doesn't it? That I'm sure we'll talk about on another podcast. But the brand campaigns are what helps you get long-term growth. So their Christmas ad mm-hmm. and things like that will be the things that are sticking in people's minds. Like I actually saw a tweet because somebody hadn't seen the Christmas ad yet and was like, wait, it's like the first December in a couple of days. I haven't seen the Christmas ad. I'm confused. All the other ones had come out, like shout out to Asda's one this year. That was a phenomenal Christmas ad. But all of that had come out, but because this person hadn't seen the Coca-Cola Christmas ad, it wasn't Christmas yet. And then those short term, so the short the, of the long and short of it is those campaigns where hmm. you're thinking about the product. So maybe they're just really focusing on a short term approach. But that doesn't seem like yeah. very, to me, I don't, I, I don't, don't, I don't know about I, that. I, without, without knowing Obviously, without speaking to their CMO, we wouldn't have a clue, but no. <laughs> my, my speculation is twofold. One is that it's a very, very competitive landscape, the carbonated drinks area, mm-hmm. you know, highly competitive, especially with, you know, Aldi coming out with equal products. They don't taste exactly the same, but some people in this current climate will certainly try it it's and see about if it's going to suffice. 
Um, and, you know, I think the, the other the other thing that comes to my mind is what we've just said all three other campaigns are very good at is knowing their audience. I wonder if because Coke is such a universal product, you know, kids of school age up to our grandparents will likely drink Coke at some point. Yeah. How do you create wide-scale marketing campaigns that can effectively segment audiences so i think they've probably tried and tested a lot of this Mm. and i've just got to the point where they think you know we'll just focus on the quality of the product and the idea of the product like like you said that can thing they do a lot but that immediately makes you think about drinking coke yeah so you know and i and then actually like the pepsi retort to that sometimes is really funny like they did a super bowl advert a few years ago and it was steve carell and like so you were in like a diner and someone's ordering a coke and they're like oh is pepsi okay and he's like is pepsi okay and he gets really jumped up by it but very aware of the position that they hold in the market yeah. again very clever so yeah i mean i don't i don't know obviously if what coke's strategy is but it does it's interesting to think that you know if you look at Dove's very values focused, very like mm-hmm. this is our ethos, this is what we stand for, consume our products as a consequence of that. That's kind of the subliminal part of it. Yeah. Whereas Coke's just like, this stuff's good. You drink it now, yeah. Mm. You know, yeah. I just, very interesting shift, I think. I think also, though, Coke has a lot of brand history that they're mm. riding off of. And I don't think taking Coke's approach, like we've just had the realisation that they do mostly product-based campaigns, that probably wouldn't work. Say somebody decided they wanted to release a new type of fizzy drink, that approach probably wouldn't work. It's. I think it's important to think of the long-term tactics too. It's important mm. to segment your market. Like we're saying, Coke probably tried and realised it wasn't worth it, let's just focus on the like amazingness of the product you need to segment your market if you're offering something new you have to be tapping into those yeah for sure because the brand affinity isn't there exactly so i think that's a big caveat with anything when you're talking about coke or apple or anything like that they've got a big history of a brand there you know we could dissect campaigns all day and and ultimately you know this is just i guess our experience and and assuming what people are doing Mm. the reality is we don't really know right but i think as a marketer you can see when people are being very intentionally clever or at least trying to be so i think let's try and wrap up for our audience then and and summarize a bit because obviously it's been a really lovely chat but it's slightly different to how we would usually discuss things because usually it's quite tactical it's very practical Mm. it's very how do you do this okay here's the answer I think you know in terms of like meaningful valuable takeaways for anybody listening you know the first thing that we always say is your audience has to be at the heart of everything so you know brands and campaigns that are incredibly effective have started with a deep understanding of their audiences and also in tandem with that the market the competitive market that they exist in that means that you guys do need to get some data and research on your target audiences and your learners but you also need to get real with your product in terms of your learning proposition and how is how that sits in amongst everything else in the world that they're currently experiencing is it less good is it better you need to ask yourself those questions because that's really going to give you a bit more insight into how you position yourself and how you sell your product 
And I, I guess, you know, from there it is actually, you know, all these brands have cleverly cut through the noise using mm-hmm. um, the voice of the public. You know, so again, how can we use our learners? How can we use other stakeholders in the business? We talk a lot about managers, don't we? You know, how are we going to use them? Because they make or break a lot of learning opportunities if they're not facilitating it, they're not enabling time in the workplace to do this. It's kind of where living, uh, learning lives and dies. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think, of, again, understanding how you can uh, leverage rather than use other people within the organization to share your voice and to amplify that and increase that reach that way is... A really, really important message. You know, this is this is something that works as yeah. exemplared by the brands we just discussed. Absolutely. And I think also a takeaway is to think outside the box. And I think some LNDs are a bit like, oh, well, I'm not really creative. But um, on the masterclass this week, when I was talking to the cohort, I was like, um, somebody had mentioned just writing down your first idea and then trying again and trying again and trying again is a great way of doing that. Like I said, Spotify could have just done a buy Spotify for Christmas campaign, but they don't. Like, we need to think outside the box. If we're going to cut through the noise, we know our target audience get a lot of emails. and they ha- They're really, really busy. We're all super busy at the moment. We've all got added stresses going on outside of work at the moment, whether that's because it's Christmas, whether that's cost of living crisis, whether that's whatever. We've all got more going on. So we need to think outside the box to really grab attention. Um, and some of the really typical that might work a little bit um, tactics to boost the engagement aren't going to get you the real massive impact that you really want it to. So take a leaf out yeah. of the book of the likes of Spotify, of the likes of Dove, of Multigran. <laughs> See what you can do that's a little bit different um, to grab that attention. Mm. And I think, you know, it, the final thing is don't expect immediate results. You know, there's a reason Spotify does uses the compounding effect of doing things year on year on year. Same with Dove, you know, um, old, like Old Spice and the Pringles ones are actually more of short campaigns, I think, whereas mm-hmm. the other two are much more long-term brand-oriented campaigns. But, you know... Shifting hearts and minds, changing people's opinion of you, you, what you offer, that takes time. And so, you know, as we've said many times, marketing is not a one and done. You've got to, as you're doing stuff, continue to iterate, get data, learn more. You know, we say personas should be living documents. You should reassess mm-hmm. them every six months or a year and make sure that the learnings that you're getting from what works and what doesn't is starting to get piped back into your marketing strategies overall. It's got to be a long-term Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, it's no good thinking about marketing once a year and coming back in a year's time going, oh, well, we tried that last year and we did it for a month. Like, you've got you've well, to try to prioritise it. We do this terribly in our industry, learning week. Yeah. Learning at work week. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of the only times where I see a really concentrated, concerted effort on marketing, but it's often arrived at planning phase, like three or four weeks before the fact and it doesn't give anybody enough time to even do anything about it i'm not saying don't do it but it's it's a short-term campaign and if that's all you're gonna do you're just gonna get a peak and then a trough and then a peak and then a trough you know one of my clients at the moment used learning at work week as a springboard people Mm -hmm. were expecting learning at work week and then they didn't stop their marketing's still going out they're still communicating they're still talking about learning and how people can get involved and it seems to have been working amazing yeah, in fact, a, a client I'm working with is having a learning week. It's not a learning at work week, which is like a set day in the calendar, isn't it? But um, 
they're doing the same thing and that's going to be the start of our six month campaign yeah. so you know it, it, it can it can be an effective thing you can utilize things that your audience will be aware of so like how i knew spotify raptors come in spotify yeah. could i don't know they they only launched it yesterday they could do teasers they might continue like that, yeah rolling something else out and it would keep me engaged because mm. you've got my attention because i was expecting to give you my attention at this point yeah amen to that i think that's a really good point to finish on actually and yeah. i've loved chatting with you it's nice for us to Likewise. get together let's not leave it yes. however long it's been 10 months or yeah. something um i promise we do talk on a daily basis guys <laughs> we, we we genuinely do too much probably but too much. yeah we just don't we don't always get together to do the podcast so that is a new year's resolution for us and um mm-hmm. we do also have a live podcast recording coming i'm just solidifying some dates and some special guests um but so that'll be fun. in january too so if you do want to come and get involved in our live podcast recording uh you can come and see mine and hannah's faces throw some questions in the chat get a bit more involved in what we're doing it's basically a webinar we're recording by the way um but yeah please come (laughs) along we'd love to see you (laughs) and thanks so much for your time thanks for having me ash i'll speak to you well i'll see you all later (laughs) i'll I'll see you on slack in about five minutes yeah all right bye all right see you later (laughs) bye Bye. (laughs) 